0: Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. How do you like those mellow sounds? That's a lot different from the rap that we hear today. Well, in any case, welcome to Your Life, Your Health, sponsored by the Central Neighborhood Health Foundation. CNHF provides quality patient health care for underserved multi-ethnic communities in Los Angeles, San Bernardino, and Riverside Counties. Central Neighborhood Health Foundation is a full-service Medicare-certified health care provider with access points in Los Angeles and San Bernardino counties. Founded in 1967, our guiding principle for nearly five decades has been the efficient and effective delivery of culturally competent patient care. And without further ado, I love bringing you Dr. George Bell, who is the outreach Director at the Central Neighborhood Health Foundation, who will facilitate updates and introduce today's guest and hot topics. So without further ado, my favorite person, Dr. George Bell.
1: Thank you, Yolanda. It's good to be with you once again. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We're living in rapidly changing times. The principle of acceleration is in full effect. Well, I don't Many of you are aware of the COP26 conference that's taking place in um, Glasgow, Scotland, in the United Kingdom. There's a lot of talk about global warming. And so I have a pop quiz for Yolanda on today. <laughs> yes, we're talking about global warming. And then we'll uh, invite our guest in, Dr. Nelson, who's going to discuss with us. A variety of um, health-related topics. So here we go Uh, in regard to global warming. Yes, Yolandi, you can't hide. Come out from under that rock, no matter what you say. Any other time you'd be wanting to take over the conversation, and you're so quiet right now. But it's good to see Kenny back also. Uh, We missed you, Kenny. (laughs) Okay, there's your face in the place. All right. So, my question is, what is the main culprit of global warming? Can't hear you, Yolanda. You're still quiet.
0: Oh, can you hear me now?
1: I can now.
0: There you go. What is the main culprit? Well, I don't think that there's one culprit, aside from cars and all of the pollution that people are creating with all of their wasteful habits, aside from the plastic, aside from the warming of the the planet and how things are melting, those silos that emit all of that junk into the air. I think that's the main culprit, but there are so many other culprits. But the main one, I think it's either cars or it's those gigantic silos that emit all of that carbon is it the carbon monoxide or carbon dioxide?
1: You get an A minus.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I'm going yeah. to I'm going to take the rock and give it back to you, so I can get out from under the rock. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. Yeah, but the main culprit of uh, global warming it is carbon monoxide, dioxide uh, from burning fossil fuels. Yes, oil and natural gas. But there's also uh, misinformation out there. There are myths out there about global warming. And I just thought I'd bring this up today because of uh, the conference there in the United Kingdom and uh, President Biden's there and he just. Need, yeah.
0: Get off of President Biden. Get off of him. Well,
1: no, no. We're going to talk on, about no, He's, no, there, no, he's no, no. wrapping up. No, I'm just going to say he's wrapping up. He's wrapped up his segment in the conference and, you know, uh, so anyway. Uh, now, what about myths about global warming? There are some myths. One of them I heard this morning when I was on my way in uh, to the clinic. One is beef consumption is bad for climate change. Now, beef, A B or it, it, it may be or maybe not. What do you think?
0: Beef consumption? Yep. It's not bad for the planet. It's bad for people. Then again, you can say it's bad for the planet. But all those myths, really, people, look around. Look around. There are things that are happening in cities and states across the country that have never happened before. Not only are people filled with hatred and and all kinds of rage, but... The planet is too. People are destroying God's planet. Yes, God gave us this planet, and people are destroying it. I've never seen so much filth in one place as it is in L.A.
1: Oh, let's not be personal, but let me. Oh, okay. Follow up on this uh, stuff. <laughs> this so-called myth. Now they're saying that two point five percent. You know of uh, this. Greenhouse effect. It does come from beef consumption, or maybe uh, they're talking about now. Believe it or not, this is what I heard today uh, cows, they have gas.
0: <laughs> Just like everybody else.
1: And someone actually contributed cows having gas to. The greenhouse effect. Now that's interesting. And then uh, there's another myth that I don't know. It may be true. It may not be true. Everyone switching to alternative energies will solve the climate change problem. Is that true or uh, or not true?
0: No, that's not true. I think the damage that has already been done. I don't think the switching is going to change it. But I think that everybody should do their part. In fact. I don't want to say, I think everybody should do their part. I know everybody should do their part. Everybody should recycle instead of throwing their garbage out the window of the car or their home. Everybody should recycle. Everybody should be careful about what they bring into their homes and how they use it or reuse it. People should be more aware. I think that people have gotten to a point where they're just so apathetic that they just don't care anymore. And they don't feel like it's doing any damage to anyone else or the planet. And when people have that much apathy, it destroys everything. They're talking about the rise of the sea level in Galveston. And everything else is sinking. You know, people never thought that these things would happen, just like we never thought that we'd be involved in a pandemic. Well, we are. And unless everybody changes the way they behave, behavior, unless they change the way they behave, it's going to be, I hate to say doomsday, but it isn't going to end well. And for those who are religious and philosophical, especially those who study theology, they're thinking and telling us that these are the end times. These are the end days. So let me, and, let me ask
1: you. Let me ask you a question, Yolanda. Have you taken any steps to become to reduce your uh, your footprint, your carbon well, dioxide footprint? Have you taken any steps? Well,
0: I do recycle. I do recycle and recycle. If I don't have to drive my car, I don't. If I don't have to, I, I stay away from uh, whatever emits. I don't I don't do anything like that. I don't get involved in those things that are going to leave a, a trash, whether it is the actual trash or whether it is something in the atmosphere. So uh, I hope I have. I hope I have.
1: Okay. Well, that's good uh, that we all, you know, make an effort to reduce our carbon imprint
0: if i can if i can walk i walk i'm not going to walk i'm not going to drive around the corner if i can walk i walk
1: well, you're, hitting, you're hitting the nail on the head because it said according to a 2019 survey 29 percent of greenhouse emissions comes from the transportation industry
0: mm-hmm. and look at cars and you know what i've noticed in fact i noticed probably a decade ago that and and don't take this personal. I will. The, I know you will, but that's okay. The worst cars. Yeah, it's just between me and you. The worst cars are in LA. The raggedy cars oh that God. have that stuff coming so out of the personal back. Today.
1: End, You're so personal. <laughs> Should we all move to Vermont? What?
0: Yes, those raggedy cars that have that stuff coming out the back. Yeah, those are all in LA. Yeah, they're in LA. Yeah, and you know uh, I what? I beg
1: to differ with
0: that. Okay. Well, you can now.
1: Now, what I'm saying, if you would go out into the inland empire, you're going to find you know certain people driving around in their uh pickup trucks, and then you know their older trucks they're doing all this off road stuff. And then, what about the diesel industry? They what about that? So, anyway, uh, let me but, just ask one more question, and then what were-
0: okay? And I got to say something, you cannot have it both ways. I drove a truck. From That's America.
1: You can have it both ways. No, You're you can't. No you, can't.
0: no, you can't. No, you cannot. I drove a truck from LA to Dallas. I drove a truck. It was not a diesel, it was a clean air Penske. Yes, it was. Really? And yes, yes. Okay. And do you know how many trucks are on the road? Do you know how many big diesels are on the road and what they're doing? Do you know?
1: More I than have you no can no idea.
0: More than you can count. And now oh, that I thought
1: you counted Then You're about to tell me.
0: Yeah. It's, uh-huh. I did okay. count. Okay, them. No, no, I said more than you can count. I can count them. Because I'm on the road. I can okay. count them. Okay. Okay. There are so many trucks. Some are clean air, some are not. But those big haulers who are are, are punching at to get goods and goods across the country, they're driving diesels. And that stuff okay. is coming out of their pipes. Mm. Okay? And so you can't have it both ways. Do you want the goods? Or do you want us to have a park our trucks so that we don't deliver? So now, look at the supply chain. We, you can't have it both ways. Oh, did you
1: hear about uh, all the, the traffic that ships out in L.A. Harbor?
0: Yes. And yes. The pollution out yes. there. And, yes. You know,
1: yes. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. It, it
0: is it, a mess. And, yeah, and, what, and you cannot have it both ways. So they're telling us you can't have it both ways. Either we're going to get the goods in, we're going to stop this crash at the supply chain, we're going to bring the ships in, we're going to do what we have to do, or you want clean air. Which is it? Do you want clean air, clean earth, or do you want your stuff?
1: Mm. Well, thank you. You you did get an A minus on the pop quiz. Thank
0: you, thank you. <laughs> so I need that straight A plus. I need that straight A. Okay,
1: next time. See you next time. <laughs> I'll bring up another topic.
0: Ah, I see uh, you ain't right. You ain't right. It's a
1: pop question, so you need to.
0: You ain't right. Look
1: at the current affairs. So you, you
0: ain't right. Hear. I'm talking about A plus in this here class. I'm talking about this. one. Okay.
1: Okay. okay. <laughs> thank you for your response and i appreciate you dearly
0: okay ladies
1: and gentlemen we have dr melson with us and we've uh, been engaged in a conversation for the last couple of weeks this is our third week together and we started off talking about the difference between western medicine and alternative west uh, medicine and uh, we moved on a little bit further and we began to talk about acupuncture of course Acupressure, and we discussed, um, mind body interventions, uh, biological based treatments, but I'm very curious. I do have a battery uh, of questions for Dr. Melson. Actually, he sparked uh, interest in me on Friday night. We were talking, but I, you know, our list from last time, I still have, um, one, uh, I guess it would be one subject or topic that I've you know, i been waiting to have this conversation about, and that's energy therapies. What are we talking about, Dr. Nelson? Energy therapies, because now I remember you sent me a picture once, and you were in China. Was that right? Yes. And you were in, involved in a healing session with this gentleman, and there were these a globe-like spheres. Now, would that be considered energy therapy or was that different? But break it down
2: for me. <laughs> well, there are a lot of different forms of what you might call energy therapy systems. In essence, everything is going to wind up at some point or another coming down to energy, energy and movement, energy exchange, energy being transferred, Um So all forms of existence involve some form of energy. So what we really are doing is getting down to, when we talk about energy healing, we're really getting down to an understanding that there's a level at which we're finding frequencies of different ranges that have an impact on the cells in the body. And the cells will respond to that energy in a way that triggers certain intended reactions, intended responses, whether that's um, to trigger biochemical reactions that go on, to trigger genetic reactions to happen, uh, and also to trigger things such as the eliminations of other substances. Sometimes it's actually energy involved in eliminating something, killing something, someone who has cancer who goes and um, gets radiation therapy, that's a, that's a very high-tech form of energy medicine because that's what you're delivering. You're delivering radioactive isotopes, radioactive uh, X-rays, gamma rays, protons, et cetera, to tumors, and it's all about delivering energy to those, to those areas. When we take multivitamins, what are we taking vitamins for? For that chemical to be converted or to start off a chain reaction that gives us more energy. When we take as you know, Mary Poppins, just a spoonful of sugar. Okay, That's, that glucose goes into the system and gets converted into energy for the body to use. So when we're talking about energy medicine in general, we're talking about getting really down to the fundamental level at which all cells are operating. And the chemistry in the body is operating. So energy medicine systems are systems which are generally identifying a certain range of frequencies where we understand the body will respond, will respond in an intended way. Sometimes that intended way is to boost the response so that it's, it's moving back towards towards health. Sometimes it's a destructive response so that it kills things like cancer cells or burns something to seal off a wound that's bleeding, things of this sort. Now, when we talk about a lot of the ways that we see individuals practicing energy medicine, energy healing, rather than using some high-tech device, then we really are talking about what is the connection between the spirit the higher order of the mental body, the emotional body, and the physical body all brought into an alignment where we can learn how to actually experience energy within ourselves and then we can guide that energy. We can guide that energy into another person. We can guide it within ourselves. We can then even learn to use that energy even in more dynamic ways by what we call energetic intention. And that is things like telekinesis, uh, psychokinesis, moving things, bending things with our minds, so to speak. These are all aspects of it as well. There are a number of different systems that are popular in the United States, uh, that people are often familiar with. One of which is called Reiki. Reiki is a a system that's Japanese in origin. Again, it's a spiritual healing, spiritual energy. Healing process, where you can actually learn to get in touch with the energy of the body and the and the mind. We can concentrate that energy. We can direct it, create an energetic field around a person, and assist their well-being and their healing. In that mode, in Korea they have a system very comparable. It's called Jo Rei, J O H uh, R E I, and again it's very similar in its overall nature. Uh, the Chinese. Uh, system very similar is called Qigong. And again, you're trying to learn how to get in touch with energy within the body. And we learn to get our focus on it. We learn to magnify that energy, to concentrate it, and then we can direct it. We can direct it again, even to something such as a tumor and shrink a tumor. So um, there are numerous types Of this kind of healing approach, some of which take a more technical approach to it, or what you might call a mind-body approach to it, where we're looking at the the focus of the willpower and the concentration. Others take an even more spiritual approach to the use of of energy and healing. It is nonetheless all of the above. And when I say a more spiritual approach to energetic healing in general, for example, we generally are, are looking at what we call the field, the field that the person is in so a spiritual approach to energetic healing is trying to capture that whole environment that the person is in if that's a hospital bed if it's you know if they're there at their home if you're praying for them if you're sending energy across the world to someone that those kinds of modes of energetic healing in the spiritual sense, are looking at that greater environment, that greater envelope of the person's presence. And that generally, the principal ingredient, is what we call infinite, unconditional, compassionate love. So you're feeling that intention, that love energy, with the intention of it bringing peace, harmony, and healing to that person. When you're looking at it a little bit on the more body-mind level, you may be trying to focus on organs, for example, organs or body systems, and through focused intention, willpower, visualization, you're trying to guide the energy to do a very real kind of uh, manipulation or maneuvering through the tissue beds to try to achieve a rebalancing for them. I have a question, Dr. Nelson,
1: and that's... How much of that occurs here in the United States?
2: Much more of it occurs than is acknowledged because much of it is occurring because people have learned through their traditional, um, their cultures. They have learned because of their religious histories, many of them. Um, in terms of, you know, how much is it recognized or acknowledged as legitimate? by the medical establishment is very little. I mean, you have biotechnologic, uh, biomedical energy devices that charge, that cost large, large sums of money and for which they can be used and generate large sums of revenue and income and legitimize technology. Those are done a lot. They have that legitimacy. However, Things that have been tried and true for thousands of years, but come from a cultural orientation, come from a grassroots context of application, come from uh, a spiritual, a psycho spiritual orientation to the people who are involved with them. Those tend to be suppressed, but they're still practiced. For example, uh, you know, I've been practicing medicine. I'm in my 40th year as a physician. Practicing medicine. Um, I've never had a problem when I'm dealing with someone, a family, and uh, I recognize that the situation is very serious. But I also get to recognize that the people have an innate spirituality in their culture and what they're desiring. So in cases like that, you know, yeah, they've got their medicines, they've got their different types of approaches that have been prescribed for them, and yet maybe the patient's not getting better, the family members. In those cases, I just invite them. I let them know that I have additional training in spiritual healing, for example, different approaches to fear, spiritual healing. Is that something that they believe in? Much of the time, they will say yes. I said, well, then... Do you practice it in any sort of way with yourself or with your family member? And then they get nervous. But then they see that I'm allowing them. I'm giving them permission to reveal something that's near and dear to them, but it hasn't been legitimized a lot by the establishment. So in those cases, when they say yes, then I say, well, would you like that now? No. Would you like to do some of that now? Would you like me to join you in doing some of that? Or would you like me to do something that from my own training? And I've been able to do that thousands and thousands of times, even within a clinic with a white coat on. Mm -hmm. But it's with the permission of the patients. Now, that doesn't go often down in the records. Or maybe it goes on as a one-liner, some mode of limited bioenergetic assistance or, or intervention. But it's something that you kind of have to slip it in there when you can.
1: So it's still not recognized as much as traditional uh, medicine. Uh, Can you share with us uh, perhaps a testimony um, of someone that you work with that um, this, this modality actually cured or relieved or... Um, made them better.
2: Sure. Of course, this is the kind of thing you like, Dr. Bell. You like to put me, my feet to the coals, and then you like to push me all the way in. But I would tell you, this, this is true. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I just do want to offer a slight correction. Traditional medicine is the medicine that's been on the planet as long as humanity has been on the planet. Western allopathic medicine is by no way traditional. It has co-opted the use of the term, and therefore, it has delegitimized what is the true traditional medicine, which is the knowledge that the Creator has placed here on the planet, and that it is still available for people to utilize, to practice, and to benefit from. So, um, so let's just adjust that Western I'm, allopathic medicine. And this is the real traditional medicine, energetic healing. We, we learned medicine. that last
1: time you talked about allopathic medicine. Yeah, so
2: we're in school. Yeah, yeah. Got it. I mean, basically, the we can say that the one of the oldest, oldest forms of energy, me, energy medicine, energy healing is prayer. Okay, and um, and alcohol, ver- various forms of that. <laughs> you know, just say alcohol. She, alcohol.
0: She
1: said it. I don't believe she said it. I don't.
2: <laughs> yes, I That's do. what. That's what, it, that's what they call alcohol. Your medicine. Yeah, that's why it's an ana- it's an anesthetic. Remember, but in essence, I mean, even all the way back to the early forms of civilization themselves. You know, we were when something was happening and people were in despair. They, what did they do? They cried out, and as they cried out with an intention of solving that problem, or improving, or saving that person. So this is actually one of the first levels of that first layers of this process, I and mean, then. Eventually, more and more knowledge came as we began to understand our relationship with our environments. And do so, you
0: practice Reiki?
2: I don't practice Reiki per se. I have a lot of students who are accomplished Reiki masters, but I do not myself limit myself to a particular tradition of energetic healing. Um, I do want to say something also in general. I have a lot of editorials. <laughs> um, Reiki is a very powerful form of healing, and like anything that is very powerful, it can also be misused. So sometimes the issue with Reiki in terms of evaluating its effectiveness or non-effectiveness in any particular application scenario may be what is not so much Reiki as a statement about Reiki as it is a statement about that practitioner. Mm. If you're going to do spiritual healing, if you're going to do bioenergetic healing, it is extremely, extremely important for the practitioner, the, the physician, the healer person to be in their optimal state of alignment. They can't be thinking about what's for dinner. They can't be thinking about how much money I'm making by doing what I'm doing. They can't be worried about how they're being judged. They can't be showboating. They can't be allowing their energetic their, their energetic body itself to be in a scattered mode in a non what i call resonance state so to become an energetic healer is not simply learning about certain techniques it's really mastering of the self and so if a person is not in a modality of self-mastery if they are not in that orientation then no matter what is the tradition of energetic healing that they are going to try to implement, even to help someone with all their heart, they themselves are the contaminator to the field. Mm. So you have to think about it that way from from the beginning. So a lot of people, especially in in the Western world over here, are learning about Reiki, and lots of people want to run off and say, okay, I'm a Reiki master. All right, well, you took a little course, and somebody gave you a title, have you mastered yourself? And if you have not mastered yourself, then you may you may at times not do what you intend to do, and you may occasionally even do harm. And this is why we must have that kind of discipline and uh, in our orientation to the use of these different modalities of, of treatment. Yet getting back to your question, Dr. Bell. Yes. I can give several, but yeah. I'll give one in particular. Okay. Uh, for starters, it was August of uh, 2013. There was a young lady who, another dear master's sister, friend of mine, who herself is a walking example even to this day. Of having healed herself of stage four ovarian cancer, which was radically metastasized throughout her pelvis and throughout her abdomen. She had hemorrhaged and she had been basically told, you've got maybe a couple of weeks to live. Mm -hmm. And a very important person who's very well known in the spiritual communities and in the human potential movement overall. Uh, pastor of a very large, well-known church in the Los Angeles area, was her pastor at the time, and good friend. He went to her, and he taught her some things. And essentially what she did was eight hours a day for two weeks of meditation, prayer, and affirmations, visualizing the energy of the divine light of the Almighty, of the creator, coming into her body, into her heart, and then emanating throughout all of her being, and then concentrating that into all of the areas where the disease process was. Not just the disease process, but all the secondary damage done by the disease process, such as the ruptured blood vessels and things of that sort, so as to have repair. She did that for eight hours a day for two weeks straight. After that, she was strong enough that she could actually start to go back to work three to four hours a day. For then, the next several months, she had a regimen for every five minutes at the top of each hour. She took that time. She prayed. She recited affirmations. She visualized the energy. And then she went back to work. Six months later, there was no cancer. She was completely healed. That was 25 years ago or more. Okay. So that's one person. So this person herself is a very good comrade, sister, colleague of my own. And she summoned me in 2013 to Cedar Sinai Hospital. And she said that her goddaughter had inoperable brain cancer, inoperable with respect to there was not a way to remove it, and there was also not a way to treat it with radiation. But what was happening was there was blocking the flow of the the cerebrospinal fluid, and so she was also starting to get what we call hydrocephalus and the increased pressure on the brain, and she was due to die if they couldn't. Relieve the pressure in the very least. So, in that case, they did take her into surgery, but just to put this little drainage tube to go from the brain and dump it into the central circulation system so as to relieve that pressure. When they brought her out of surgery, I was asked to come see her. So, I went to Cedars, went up to her room, and in that environment, she was still unconscious and the family was all around. And I was asked if I could help with the healing. And I said, yes. So I stood at the base of the bed. I felt I touched her feet and I did a process, an energetic process. And I sent the energy to her and I did this for about five minutes. And then that was it. I spoke to her parents, spoke to Lisa, my friend, her godmother, and then I left. I found out later she woke up a little bit. Actually, she woke up momentarily while I was giving this treatment. What I heard from her later was that she saw this light being and the room was filled with light and she could just feel all this warmth and energy. And then she felt everything was going to be all right. She fell back to sleep. A day later, they discharged her from the hospital. Several days later, I was told they had to take her back into surgery. And they said, for some reason, the drainage tube is not working. Maybe they placed it in the wrong position. Maybe it it moved. I said, it's not working because it's clogged up with dead cells. They said there's no way that could be because we didn't touch the tumor. We couldn't see the tumor. We, we couldn't put it in an area near the tumor. So that would be that would be impossible. I said it's clogged with dead cells because I did the microsurgery in her brain. And in that sense, what I was doing, while I was sending her the energy, I could also visualize where what was happening in her brain, and I could see the blood vessels all around the tumor at the brainstem level, why it was so. Difficult, why it was inoperable and why it could not even be radiated. And so I did a certain form of what you can call spiritual healing or spiritual microsurgery, uh, which certain masters in places like Indonesia and the Philippines are known to do. And I did that work. When they took her back into surgery, what they found was it was not kinked, it was not in the wrong position, it had not come loose, it was indeed filled, clouded with dead cells and that the tumor was already shrinking. That was eight and a half years ago. She's doing fine. She's very active to this day. And, you know, she had a couple bumps along the way. And several years ago, I was asked to see her again, gave her another boost. But largely she was learning. This was a trigger for her a wake up call for her and her own spiritual path along with her godmother who was there to support her and teach her things about spirit, mind, body healing. She dedicated herself to that journey and lo and behold, to this day she's in her early 30s now and she's doing well. So that's one example, but there are others. There are others. But the point is I'm speaking of a real situation, not something that i read about. I'm not being politically correct. I'm not covering my bases or covering my behind. I am giving you a personal account. This is what a lot of the folks out there who make millions of dollars talking about this stuff, but will never have the courage to personalize it to say they were in this situation i accept that responsibility i accepted what i was asked to do and i did it in full earnest and sincere devotion the result is the patient is still alive and she is completely intact she she has no physical disabilities and you can call that a healing you can call that a miracle i was simply an instrument to assist the process. Now, if that winds up with people challenging me as a physician, I'm not supposed to think this way. I'm not supposed to do anything like that. I'm a human being. If I just walked in as a priest, or a pastor, or a rabbi, or a, an Indian chief, a medicine woman, or medicine man, then it would be acceptable. But I'm in that institution. Of allopathic medicine, and I'm introduced. There is a doctor, a physician, and then I do something like that. That could be very dangerous.
1: But doesn't the results speak for itself? Um, no,
2: no, the results don't speak at- for themselves. It's people who want to speak against the results. <laughs> you know so,
1: so there's a whole college that's that's anti. Uh, that's against. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to talk further about that. I, I, you know, there's so much that we need to talk about that will help people. So opening up the idea of spiritual healing, mind, body, um, in, interventions. Um, I think here in America, we're probably, uh, one of the most out of touch, out of tune, misaligned <laughs> people on the earth. We have so many distractions. We have so many vices. There's so much around us that keeps us from the inner self. Now, for the so-called Christian, I, I don't use that term. I use manahayim, which means believer in Messiah. But, um, you know, there just seems to be all these different paths. But, you know, in ancient times... Um, It just seemed a little easier for people to accept other modalities. Um, But now that we have, and I'm going to say it again, this Western approach, as you say, allopathic approach, uh, it's very difficult for for these different sects, these different groups to uh, think about using these alternatives. So uh, I just wanted to start going down this path gingerly. Um, so people can really think about, you know, alternatives. Of course, you know, there's always gonna be a cedar sinai and a Kaiser, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, I really believe that God has built us in such a way the body will heal itself. That's what I believe. I think within our makeup, there's this um this element that Uh, allows the body to mend the body to, as you know, just say, for instance, if there's a a hemorrhage in the body, okay, the body's going to send all of its resources to that part of the body, correct? Uh, to stop the hemorrhaging. But, uh, I think that, uh, this, this institution, uh, they've actually removed the individual from the process and now they want to prescribe what they believe the textbook is saying that will work but we know in this day and age um you know it, it's just not that absolute um so let's talk about this let's, let's just switch reels for a moment and so we've talked about spiritual healing we've talked about mind-body connection and uh what you've done over the years so Everything has a frequency. Every, every one of us, there's a frequency within us. Uh, and I remember years ago when I was dabbling in meditations and things like that, I came across this one meditation called Inner Sound Mentation. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but I was in the music industry, of course, a rock star, and that's what was happening in Hollywood. And, you know, I really wasn't exercising much faith at all. It was about you know, the Mercedes Benz and living at a certain uh, zip code and the people that I hung out with the industry and coming up in the in- industry. So this group, we came across this across this uh, certain meditation and we started doing it where you simply count from 20 backwards down to one. And of course, you're putting the body in this state of rest. And concentration, right? So uh, I began to do that, and once I counted down, you could hear this frequency, you know, this sound, right? But most um, practicing doctors, or let's just say, a psychiatrist or a psychologist. They'll give you medication for that sound that you hear in your head. Are you hearing sounds in your head? Let me prescribe this. But actually, that is the highest form of concentration uh, when we reach that pitch. So we're talking about frequencies also that bring about well-being. And I experienced it. Now, uh, is it compatible with what I who I am today? I believe that the Bible teaches about meditation. Of course, it's not going to say, well, seek for that frequency, but it's the same thing, you know. And so we are to align ourselves. We're to quiet ourselves and go inwardly. So uh, this wonderful body that God, the Almighty has created will do the work that it was designed to do. So I listen to, I'm just going to say this and then I want to hear your take on it. I listen to music that has between sixty-two to seventy-two hertz. I have a favorite. Um, it's a favorite. Uh, it's called uh, Nature Relaxation, and it's about thirty-four hertz. And when I when I do this, I I notice there's a calmness that comes on me. First of all, my mind is relaxed. And it's as though I can absorb and comprehend more than if I was in this conventional state of mind. So I know that there's a connection, but in this day and age, it's the way we categorize it. We have categorized things and divided things and this is right and this is wrong. So I know you're pretty deep into, um, you know, this type of uh, healing And so, uh, there are people that are listening and of course, of course, we recommend you're a medical doctor. We recommend medical doctors, but we also want to recommend that the almighty God has designed us in a way where the body will heal itself.
2: Well, yes, yes, yes. And more, um, I'm just checking up a little something here. Maybe I can add a little reference on top of what you are describing. Um, In essence, to say that everything has a frequency is is yes, and at the same time, everything has more than a frequency. Everything has a range of frequencies that creates a harmonic and resonant containment field that containment field then is what constitutes what I call the consciousness envelope of that thing that exists. Mm -hmm. So if you um, are talking about anything from a single cell or even a single atom, or even even a subatomic or quantum-level field particle, there is still a field around that particle, no matter how small it is. Mm -hmm. And so from there, there is... A An energetic experience and an energetic expression of whatever that is that we're talking about. That in, in order to be an expression, it must be a movement. A movement means some form of vibration, some yes. form of displacement. Exactly. And that means with consistency as that displacement is taking place, you have what then becomes a frequency. And so, an an individuated frequency, which then is replicated, which then the frequencies interact with each other, which then create interfaces, which create then interactive frequencies, which create what we may call harmonics, which then ultimately can create octaves, which then ultimately, which can create what we call a resonant field, exactly standing wave fields. And that then creates an environment in which then awareness emerges. So, the thing that is has an awareness of itself that it does, it is, it exists. And when we talk about the awareness of something for its own existence, this is also what we can call the deliverance of the divine word into that thing. In other words, the consciousness that something exists. And so, Now that it operates with a sense of its existence, you can say it has an identity, a self. And now because it has an awareness of itself as a self, as something that exists, it has the capability and the capacity to maintain that state of its existence. When it gets out of balance from that state of its existence, There is a cosmic, divine, God, creator, source, coding, which is the primordial intelligence and programming for it to restore its natural state. And that you can call healing, that you can call repair, that you can call correction, that you can call resilience, that you can call the bounce back, you can call it the reformation, etc. That is an intelligence which comes from source creator. That is the innateness of all existence to preserve its right of existence by virtue of the fact that it does exist. Sure. So when we see that kind of uh, process in place, then our responsibilities are actually to support it. If we are operating with an assumption that that does not exist, that programming is not in place, then we are actually going against divine and cosmic principles. The very presupposition that something cannot help itself, cannot correct itself, is itself a violational perspective on the laws of existence. And so we have whole systems of governance, whole systems of social organization, whole systems of science, whole systems of medicine. Which violate the primal presupposition that everything that exists has the right to exist, and everything that exists has the right to be able to heal when it is out of sync with its prime frequency profile.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Can Can I just interject something here? Because, of, of course, you know you're you're a, a universalist, so to say, and I'm I'm kind I kind of have this little mind, you know. You're the, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. I'm the gul- Gulliver, yeah.
0: and,
1: you know, and of course we live in Lilliputia, whatever it was. Now
0: Liliputia.
1: say this because you know there's it's relative, it's all relative. Now, so I'm going to bring up a Bible account about David and Saul, and 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 Saul had uh, a, a evil spirit that would come upon him. And of course, he would act out. He would act up and he would act out. And David would play his stringed instrument. And he would actually, uh, he was able to dispel the effects of this evil spirit, uh, so to say, cast it out. So again, we're dealing with sound, we're dealing with the frequency. Whatever was in David's harp or in stringed instrument. It was instrumental in driving that bad spirit, that evil spirit away. So, um, you know, it just seems like things are relative, but uh, what, do you, what do you think about that? Again, we're talking about a frequency. Yes.
2: Well, a couple things. One is, I think it's important to understand that, by and large, driving out, an entity, a spirit entity without an impact upon the consciousness of the host is likely to remain with the host susceptible to a return of that entity? And, and
1: that's what would happen. But actually, at times, Saul would call for David, Yes. rid him of that spirit.
2: Yes. What we can say if we look at the parable of Saul in, in a larger sense to have a possession, to have an exorcism or a depossession, to then be reassaulted and have to do this several times. What would become the final determinative of the healing effect would be the change in the evolution of Saul's consciousness. And this is where we begin to understand in a somewhat larger interpretation of that scripture and that, that parable is the, when Saul came to have a difference in his own understanding and knowing of himself as a being, his consciousness expanded, his heart expanded when he would no longer identify with his behaviors of the past, his attitudes of the past, his beliefs of the past, but could take on this infinite love, this path of redeemer, that is the consciousness shift which then resets the entirety of the energy grid of the person. So if we're talking about frequencies, you see, it's kind of like, if you don't have enough of an effect upon the containment field itself, then there's still the susceptibility. We see this with addicts. We see this with cancer that comes back to people. We see that with so many things that when people experience a healing, that healing is temporary. It's not lasting unless there is an overall shift in the consciousness, particularly the consciousness of expansion, which is the yes, the yes and the expansion which is the infinite unconditional, the divine cosmic love. When there is that love energy, when there there is that infusion, and there is a true identification with that, and then there is the allowance for the integration of that, that expansion of consciousness, that expansion of this coding, this love, then it changes the frequency profile of the containment field. We can call this containment field the very person herself or himself and the energy field around them. As if once that was taken place, it was summated enough so that then, yes, David drives out the demons. They cannot come back after a certain point. Do you see?
1: Yes, I understand. So, again, it's um, it's actually a focus is a consciousness mm-hmm. it's um the ability to transcend above but stall never rid himself of that way of thinking because at the end of the story we know that he went to the witch of endor so he's still dabbling in that demonic ram and of course as a result of that we know that it led to his own self-imposed death so you know we've covered a lot of ground and uh I believe that the listeners are, are hearing um, a broad view of, you know, it's kind of like a menu. It's a scope. Uh, and so for people that are believers, manahayim, believers, some call themselves Christians uh, or universalists. Again, uh, the pathway uh, that many people choose. Now, I do believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light. <laughs> However, I think it's just being in touch with self also because we've been designed that way and the connection that people have uh to the spiritual realm. So um I think we've said a lot on today. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Now, uh, you know, based on your availability, you know, we convene once again. We were talking Friday. I'm going to bring this up because I heard something that everybody needs to hear, Enrico, when we were talking about uh, the Codex Elementarius, and uh, also we want to talk about the meta-analysis. These are breakdowns that people, these are, you know, these are um, methods where people can break down bite-sized pieces and comprehend and start that change. Uh, of course, dealing with the, um, the idea of the Codex Elementarius is dealing with food. Uh, and then we want to talk about, uh, the analysis of, of diseases and how it impacts certain, uh, people groups in certain areas. I, I really think people need to hear about this. They need to be educated. And some of the things that you were saying in our, our conversation, you know, you know, it's enlightening. To the point that uh, many, you know, the Bible says our people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. And sometimes conventional knowledge that's uh, guarded by the citadel of uh, the government, uh, it doesn't allow for anything outside of that, you know, setting. So what we want to do is open the window and let light in. That's what we want to do. And if you'll join me with that, we definitely want to hear th- about these other uh practices, research, the research that's going on that will help people. Of course, um, I need to shut it down because we need to uh come off the air. But uh, this is what people in um, underserved communities need to know. Okay.
0: Yes. So, so can heal themselves. Join
1: me next time.
0: Yes.
1: All we have, we've had Dr. Enrico Melson with us, just, uh, offer us a plethora of information where we'll begin to dig deep within ourselves and understand the God that's within us. He's great. He's powerful. He's the Almighty. All right. Sister Yolanda, thank you so much. Take us away, please.
0: All righty. You have been listening to Your Life, Your Health with Dr. George Bell. Sponsored by the Central Neighborhood Health Foundation with offices located at 714 West Olympic Boulevard, Suite 801 in Los Angeles, 90015. And for more information, you can visit our website at cnhfclinics.org and also info at cnhfclinics.org. You can visit our websites at Central Neighborhood Health Foundation at facebook.com and also cnhf underscore clinics at Instagram. Please do not forget the COVID-19 testing is still going on at the Central Clinic Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 1, and the Inglewood Clinic Monday through Thursday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. You can also get your COVID-19 vaccines at the same location. Do not forget the CNHF Food Pantry is the first and third Mondays of each month at 10.30 a.m. And it's located at Grand Avenue, the South Central Location Clinic, twenty six fourteen South Grand Avenue in Los Angeles. You have been listening to Your Life, Your Health with Dr. George Bell, sponsored by the Central Neighborhood Health Foundation, whose guest has been and will be Dr. Enrico Melson. And with a wealth of information and knowledge, everyone should listen to this. Everyone should take heed to this because you can heal yourself and you can also heal with the help of those like Dr. Nelson. So please be sure to join Dr. George Bell on the first and third Tuesday of every month. Thank you, Dr. Bell. Have a good evening.